Welcome to Ask Cadence, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm sitting across the table here from John Patton. Hi, John. Hello, Pete. Uh, so we're wrapping up an, an ongoing discussion we've been having here on uh, on the importance of understanding behavioral models on on project teams, and, and broader than that, we've been talking about uh, you know taking on the, the various individual behavioral model instruments, Myers Briggs, DISC. Uh, we've talked about group dynamics and group formation. Uh, and and now we're we're diving into culture. Yes, uh, Pete. Uh, yeah. uh, where do you even begin? It seems like there are there are two uh, two angles we could take on this, right? First, we've got the the global cultures that that uh, you know globally distributed teams are dealing with right now. We have uh, business cultures that you know every company that has their own cultural models and ways of doing business. How how do you tackle this uh, from a project management context? Well, I, I think you, you did a good job, Pete, in that you separated uh, international cultures from um, cultures within organizations. Now, let's realize uh, that uh, inside organizations, uh, there are cultures like technical cultures. You know, the, uh, the people who are engineers or IT specialists have uh, some predictable behaviors uh, as technologists. Uh, the people who are in sales and marketing uh, have some predictable behaviors, cultural behaviors, uh, because of being in contact with the customer and thinking of the customer. Legal. Uh, uh, legal, a uh, whole same culture kind of thing, detail legal. orientation right. there. And if you look at this as a culture inside an organization, uh, cultural anthropology techniques, yes, uh, can be used. And they would be used on, you know, departments of a company. How does this company function? What is the overall company culture? But really what I'd like to, to, to focus on uh, today is more the international cultures, Pete. Uh, something I find fascinating and, and every company finds fascinating uh, as they get into globalization. And the fact that more and more companies, no matter what the size of the company, is going to be working with people from other cultures. You know, you, you don't even have to travel because of immigration in the United States. You can have all sorts of different cultures working on your project team. So, so from a you know the last several episodes, we've been talking about this really strategically. How does a project manager you know uh, understand the various norms that are taking place on the teams? Uh, it, it seems like we're we're talking of taking a very big bite out of an even larger apple here. How do, how do you give the project manager guidance uh, when you're involved in a consulting situation about about how to begin? Well, first of all, uh, they've got to become a student. Be a student with an inquiring mind. Be curious. Uh, when something is happening that is frustrating you, don't rush to judgment immediately. Uh, perceive it. Oh, this is happening. Um, handle something in neutrally, a short term, then go back and, and think about it and try and figure it out. And some of the uh, profiles I'll give you today, uh, comparison scales for cultures, may be able to help you if you think it has a cultural uh, sort of origin. All right, well then let's dive right into some of those tools. Uh, okay. You know, where, uh, what's the first one? And I'm going to focus on uh, just two authors. Okay. Um, uh, both happen to be from the Netherlands, and, and I don't know why. Uh, they they uh, tend to be so outstanding, but uh, the first one is, is uh, Gerd Hofstede, and the second one is uh, Fons Trumpenaars. Um, really, um, I like them both, and for the purposes of time here, Pete, 
uh, and giving our listeners enough of a framework. I'm going to uh, focus on uh, Gerd Hofstetter because he's got a five-dimension uh, scale, whereas uh, Franz Trumpeners has an eight-dimensional scale. So let's uh, start right through it. Um, the, the first uh, uh, scale for comparing cultures is whether they have a low or a high uh, view of power distance. What this means is if they have a, 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 a low sense of uh, power distance, it means that they um, are, um, expect to be consulted uh, on uh, the view that the, pro the uh, direction that the project is going to take. Uh, if they have a high power distance sort of view, then they expect to be told. So they expect instructions and knowledge to be coming down uh, from above them as opposed to drawing out the direction from them based on their expertise and involvement. Uh, the second um, uh, point scale uh, is uh, individualism versus collectivism. Uh, in an individualistic uh, sort of view, it's okay for the personalities to come forward. Um, whereas in the, uh, the collectivism, one sees themselves not as an individual, but more the member of a family or team that has some sort of uh, long-term indication. You know, it's going to last uh, for a while here. Uh, then uh, there's something called uh, masculinity, femininity. It's also, to avoid uh, gender, uh, many people refer to that as quantity of life versus quality of life. So the quantity of life uh, uh, sort of level is, is focused on power, uh, status, and the accumulation of goods, whereas the quality of life uh, uh, focuses on uh, in the society of, uh, you know, are, are you... Um, really uh, attuned to the feelings of other people and how they feel with what you are doing. The fourth indicator uh, is um, uh, low or high uncertainty avoidance. Now if a person has low uncertainty avoidance, then for their decisions they're going to look for guidelines of how to handle uncertainty. Whereas uh, high uncertainty avoidance is going to look for specific rules, point by point, specific, specific rules under certain conditions. Um, and then finally, the fifth point uh, on, the, on the scale is uh, long-term uh, versus short-term orientation. The long-term oriented kinds of cultures tend to think of the future and how things are going to fit into the total pattern of the future, whereas uh, the um, short-term going to look at the past and present as guidelines for how things really uh, should fit together and, and, and should flow. But it seems like a, a well-thought-out scale. However, you know, here we are just listening to bullet points. I wonder if you could give me an example of, of uh, you know, how... Uh, you know how in your experience this has played out in, in real project uh, project life. Sure, uh, happy to do that. Uh, let's take the Netherlands uh, for example. Uh, these are people who are uh, pretty high up there on the individualism sort of scale. So it's very appropriate for me to call on somebody during a seminar and say, what do you think about what I've just said, um, uh, John? Uh, because they always uh, do have a feeling. They always uh, have an opinion. And they feel it's their right to express that opinion. So if I want a discussion to take place uh, in a seminar that I'm teaching or in a team that I'm forming, I can call on people and ask them. I can read their body language and see that they're ready to speak up. And if they want to speak up, I've got to let them, you know, or I can say, oh, in five minutes, and then remember to pull them back in. Whereas 
in Japan, uh, which has uh, more of a collectivist sort of view, if I ask at any point in a seminar, do you have any questions, typically a team will, will not ask, or I've got to give them time to think through uh, their question. Uh, and so what I've learned to do is more uh, at key points in the seminar, um, just put people in groups of four and say, discuss what I've just talked about, and uh, each team has the responsibility of coming up with a question. Uh, now they belong to a collective group and they feel more comfortable with uh, coming up with a question. Uh, and, and by contrast, if you do the same thing in the Netherlands, you have a group of four with four questions that come up. Yes, uh, I, I have to, uh, uh, you know, just in, in the sense of timing, uh, because of this um, uh, individual need, I usually allocate a little more time for breakout workshops in the Netherlands than I do uh, in Japan. Now, I've, I've got to make sure in Japan that I've given them enough time to do all the work of the workshop because it's going to end on time. Whereas in, in uh, the Netherlands, I have to give them checkpoints during the workshop to remind them how much time they've used up or, or make sure that they, uh, they pick a, a monitor that pays attention to time, a timekeeper. Uh, it, it seems like when, when uh, you know, to, to use a phrase that I hope isn't too tired yet from this series, where the rubber meets the sky uh, mm -hmm. is, is uh, you know, when you have these cross-cultural teams, as we alluded to early on, uh, bringing it back to, a, to the, the specific formation of the project management team, uh, what guidance can you give a project manager uh, on getting through some of those, uh, the team building or the team formation skills or, or the team formation stages, I should say, that we discussed last week when working with a cross-cultural team? Okay. Uh, if I've got a mix of people who uh, speak up and people prefer to be quiet and, and wait for direction, uh, then I'll, I'll plan some small group work where they intermix with each other and rotate people through that small group work. Uh, that's an option, but remember I've got to watch out for those people who want to be part of a, of a, of a group and they want that group to be uh, more permanent. Uh, so we can invite into planning uh, in a very large project uh, the people uh, who have a representative on the project team from different departments invite them all in and have them work on their aspect of the project plan, their particular deliverable or set of deliverables in terms of getting it uh, defined. Uh, they're giving their representative on the project core team status. That person will feel uh, more comfortable in representing them as we start meeting with just the core team. Finding a way to honor those yeah. specific needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've got a, there's an interesting mix in, in Latin America. It's individual expression and respect for authority. So in Latin America, people are very outgoing. Uh, that's often a perception, uh, highly social, want to interact, and so you have to be tolerant of people spontaneously asking questions uh, throughout, beginning to end of, of the seminar. They gel uh, very quickly. Um, now, they'll also, if you decided to shut them down, they'd respect that and not respond at all. So you have to, to reach this, this hat because they have strong respect for authority. Surely. So you have to reach this happy medium of of uh, just the right amount so that you can make it through uh, the seminar. And just get the, through day one. That's time. all we're trying yeah. to do is yeah. get through day one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's uh, fascinating. So uh, Trompenars has a, a, an eight-point scale 
I really um, am not going to go into it in the broadcast. It's just, just but it's, uh, but it's, uh, it's very good. What I'd like to, to talk about in, in Trumpenars uh, is his, uh, his uh, research on, uh, called Did the Pedestrian Buy? Now, in, in this one, I'll just keep it short. Uh, he was able to um, begin evaluating cultures by giving them a case of uh, assume that you, Pete, are um, riding in a car as a passenger and your best friend is the driver. As the driver approaches an intersection, the light turns red. He guns the, uh, the car and he runs uh, right through that uh, intersection. And on the other side, he hits a pedestrian. Now, well, this the, is a horrible example already. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> what it does is it makes people serious. And uh, so um, the, the story goes that your friend is arrested. Now, you are the only witness to this uh, uh, accident, and uh, you get a call from your friend a week later. He says, uh, when I go to court, I want you to say that the light was green because I could go to jail here. And the question is, uh, what uh, do you, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Now, Trompenars found that in Nordic cultures, uh, that the answer was, I'm going to tell the truth. And the answer was, well, what kind of a friend is a person who would ask me to lie under solemn oath? Now, in, in, in more southern European cultures along the Mediterranean, the answer was, well, of course I'm going to say the light was green uh, because uh, what kind of a friend am I if I don't support my best friend in his time of need? And then there's a more particular one, which I'll name the country. It came from France. And uh, logically dissecting both the question and the answer, the person from France uh, said, well, before I answer, I have one question. Did the pedestrian die? It makes a difference, you know. And so he, here were different cultures with different takes on a you know pretty serious sort of situation That's here. Fascinating. And uh, it just uh, it just rings true throughout the cultures that they, uh, you know, you you can if you're taking a foreign trip. I remember I would recommend two things: going to cultural tables that both of these uh, gentlemen have on where you can find out what your compatibilities are, uh, what, uh, where you are likely to have, uh, feel some frustration or um, some uh, you know, uh, discomfort. And then I also highly recommend a bo uh, the, the book, you know, Kiss, Bower, Shake Hands. Uh, it's been regionally structured that uh, gives you some, some high level sorts of advice on how to behave. Uh, you have links to uh, both Hofstede and Trompenars that we can post uh, in this, I assume, yes? Uh, just so a, a web search, uh, okay. you know, on uh, cultural comparison scales would be the, the best way to find their books and then okay. to, to go into, or uh, the names of each one of them and, and uh, review their books. And the, the, the main thing I would like to uh, close on here, Pete, is uh, in your culture, just as much outside your culture, patience and courtesy always goes a very long way. Excellent closing words, John. Thank you so much for your time uh, in, in uh, talking through this entire series of uh, uh, the importance of behavioral models. On behalf of John Patton and Scott Lissett, who we didn't have with us today, uh, uh, my name is Pete Wright. Thank you uh, for downloading, and we will be with you next week.
on Ask Cadence.